Thanks so much for showing up, be part of our weekend experience. Hey, want to say again, welcome to our Faith Church family. To you who are members here and regular tenors, we're glad that you're here. Want to welcome again our first-time guests. Also, welcome online those who are watching. Come on, guys, let's give it up for them. You, uh, we try to say this all the time. We have a growing audience, not just people who attend here, people who watch online, watching uh, literally at times all over the world. So welcome, everybody, as we jump into week two of this new series we started last week entitled Selfie. So right, Selfie, we all know what it is, but this word Selfie has gotten so big and so common in culture, not just the word, but the action, but the word itself has moved from the official slang category into a true official word in the English language. It's kind of part of who we are and what we do, right? Everybody is taking the selfie. Some of us more than others, but it's such a big part of our life, such a big part of kind of what we do, right? We capture the minute moments of life all the way up to the big things, everything in between from the Monday morning mundane bathroom mirror shot to the fantastic Friday out on the town in the new gear, the new garb. We're always capturing our lives, always honing in on who we are. You know, right, there's just no moment that we miss. In fact, it's kind of funny. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's, it's, it's a little odd, maybe because I'm a little bit older. But just to kind of look around, if you're at especially a larger event, if you're somewhere where there's a big gathering of people, all you got to do is look around, and it's so odd to see people holding up their phones and just kind of think about it, man, just capturing a moment of themselves, capturing a picture of who they are. I know, I know it's common, but in the middle of kind of this selfie thing, something's going on. Think about this. In 2014, uh, on average, in this world, we took 93 million selfies a day in 2014. 93 million. I'm just telling you, ain't nobody that good looking. But we're capturing every moment of every day, posting it out on social media, holding it in our iCloud storage, just kind of these selfie moments. And again, it's, I've seen it, you've seen it, I've been a part of it, many of you have been a part of it. I was out to a dinner, probably, it's been several months, but I remember uh, there, was a, there was a young lady there getting ready to eat her dinner, some uh, waitress came out and served her this plate, of, uh, this plate of pasta, and she was, you know, trying to decide, do I want a picture of the pasta, do I want a selfie of me, and so she tried to get like a two-in-one, and I remember she held her phone up and dipped her head down into her plate, and her hair got into her, right into the sauce, I don't know what's worse, hair in the sauce or sauce in the hair, I think it's like a lose-lose, but again, it's just kind of this thing, let me just ask you a question. What's going on with our society that we are so captivated by the selfie? What's going on that we are so hung up on us and me and ours? What's going on in our life that kind of, again, I think when we look around, I think there's something symptomatic behind this selfie thing. And I think today, really, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is kind of what's hidden behind the selfie epidemic is this, that we are a selfie-absorbed generation. Think about it. Think about how easy we are caught up in who we are, how easy we're caught up in me and mine, what I'm going through, what I'm facing, what my situation is, what my circumstance is. We are a selfie-absorbed generation. Now, Jesus, he understood kind of this innate desire that's on the inside of all of us. Jesus understood that we cared about us, we care about ours, we care about me and mine, so much so that Jesus said, hey, listen, I want you to kind of use that same that same kind of inward focus to gauge your love for others. He said it this way. He said, I want you to love your neighbor 
the same way you love yourself. I want you to care for those around you the same way you care for yourself. So Jesus said, hey, I understand that there's a thing on the inside of people. There's something going on in this self-absorbed generation that Jesus says, I want you to kind of leverage it. I want you to use it as a, as, a, as a way to weigh how well you're living this life. Are you loving others the same way you love yourself? Are you caring for those outside of yourself as much as you're caring for yourself? And I think at times, guys, here's the crazy thing. If we're honest, sometimes we are so caught up. We are so selfie absorbed that we forget we live in a world of other people. Am I the only one that sometimes I'm so busy living my life, so busy doing my thing, so busy trying to get ahead in my world that I forget that there is a world around us? And so the challenge is in this selfie-absorbed generation, I think, man, God wants us to pull our face out of just ourselves and live in the world at large because he's got some great things for us to do. In fact, today I want to look at this person we introduced last week. His name, is, uh, his name is Abraham, and God does some amazing things through this guy's life. In fact, if you have your Bible, you can open it up to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 12. And in the middle of this, this guy kind of steps on the scene. His name again is Abraham. But, but I want you to just, come on, just think about this for a minute. So we live in this world right now, especially in westernized Christianity. Right here in America, in the buckle of the Bible belt, in this thing that, and here's what we think is, we take this selfie-absorbed lifestyle and we bring it into our relationship with Christ. And we start to believe, and this is what's preached on so many uh, Christian TV stations and radios, that we believe that God is just interested in blessing us, that God just wants to help us and bless us and give us more and do more for us, right? The world that we live in is that God, we invite God into our life for God to do more for us. Now, let me just ask you a question. Is that all this is about? Is Christianity just about God giving more to us? Is Christianity just more about God blessing us and doing more for us? Did the Savior only come to supersize our selfie-absorbed life? Is, is that all this is? Well, I think you're going to look at this again, this guy by the name of Abraham. As he steps on the scene, he's a great model for what God wants to do in a life. In fact, when we look at his life right on the surface, it's almost like, and it becomes, and it has for many people, that we look at the life of Abraham and we say, God, I want you to do that in my life. Everybody say blessed. This word blessed is used over and over and over as it pertains to the life of Abraham, of who God is and what God can do and what God wants to do in a life. We see that God blesses this guy by the name of Abraham. Now, again, it's, if you don't know his story, ultimately God picks this guy, picks his wife, Sarah, and chooses them in their old age. He is 75. She is 65. When God intersects with his life, and God says, listen, I've picked you and I've chosen you to bless you, to give you a child, even though you're beyond child-rearing years. And through that child, I want to bring forth a nation and a plan. And we see God's blessing unfold in the life of Abraham. And when we look at that blessing, it's so easy for us in a self-absorbed society to say, God, I want the same blessing that was on Abraham in my life. Because God, it is about me. It is about mine. It is about my circumstance. But here's, watch this, when you read in Genesis chapter 12, the way God introduces himself and immediately begins to unfold for Abraham what's about to happen. Read this with me. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, 
and go to a land that I will show you. Keep going. I will make you, you all got to read this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I'll make you famous, and I will be a blessing, and you'll be a blessing to others. Keep going. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. Come on, anybody would like some of that in their life. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So now watch this. So God steps on the scene of Abraham's life, and he starts talking about all the ways that Abraham is going to be blessed. And he says things like, hey, listen, listen, Abraham. Hey, I want you to know that with me in your life, you're going to be set. There's going to be plenty of bling. You're going to be taken care of. I'm going to provide for you. You're going to have supernatural wealth. You're not just going to have money. I'm going to give you land. You're not just going to have land, but you're going to have offspring. I'm going to bless you with a child. Abraham is living the large life because of God's blessings in his life. And he is selfie the whole way. He's taking pictures, right? The Bible says, God says, I'm going to give you a land. Think about this. Abraham is out with his smartphone taking pictures in front of his new property. Cha-ching. Hashtag the blessed life. He gets the brand new bouncing baby boy that God promises. A proud daddy moment. Abraham catches, right, his iPhone 6, snaps a picture, right? Hashtag the blessed life. Proud daddy moment. And you see all these things. And when you watch it, at the first glance, it's easy to look at the life of Abraham and say, When you invite God into your life, your life is blessed. When you invite God into your circumstances, your circumstances get blessed. But I just want to ask you a question. Is that all all that's happening here? Because on first glance, that's what it seems like. And so we are caught up in our society of saying that salvation, that serving the Savior is just about him blessing our life. But I want you to notice, if you'll dig a little deeper into these verses, this is not so much about God blessing Abraham's life as it's about Abraham being a part of God's plans. Come on, church. Because what God wants us to do is to understand that as you read this story, this story isn't Abraham's story. This story is God's story. See, if you read the story and you read the life of Abraham, you have to say this. Did Abraham get some property? Was he blessed with land because of God? Absolutely. But God didn't give Abraham land so Abraham would have land. God blessed Abraham with land so eventually the Jewish nation would have a homeland. Did God give Abraham a bouncing baby boy? Absolutely. But God didn't give Abraham a bouncing baby boy just so he would have a son. God gave him a son so eventually this world would have a savior. Did God bless Abraham with prosperity? Absolutely. He was filthy rich. But God didn't just bless Abraham so he would have money. God blessed Abraham so Abraham would be an example of what God can do in a life that's surrendered to him. See, what I want you to know today is this, is our selfie mentality of God, come and bless mine. God, come and fix mine. Is we are so apt to try to invite God into our story. And the reality is God invites us into his. And I'm just telling you, his story is better than our story. Come on, his story, history is better when it's lived God's way. For so many of us, man, we, again, we live in this Christianized, westernized spiritualized thing that we think that God just wants to come and bless us and help us and fix us and minister to us and make all of our lives what we think it ought to be. And while I believe for every second, this is, you guys got to get this, 
While I believe every fiber of my being that God is a good God, that God heals, delivers, blesses, while I believe that God wants to do phenomenal things in your life, God, didn't wanna, God doesn't want to just bless you for you. God wants to bless you because he wants you a part of his plan. It's not what he wants to do to you. It's what God wants to do through you. God doesn't have just great things for us. God has great things for the world through us. Are you all hearing me, church? And so when you look at the life of Abraham, the reason we're here uh, 3,500 years later looking at his life isn't again because of what Abraham did. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, you find eight I wills. Everybody say I will. God's saying, I will bless you. I'll provide a land for you. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll make your name great. Uh, you'll, you're going to be a blessing, and you're going to be a blessing to this whole world. And it's all God saying what I'm going to do. Not what Abraham does. It's what God does. Abraham is only a participant in the plan of God. And so for every single one of us, guys, when you start a spiritual journey, maybe you sat in a church like this one, Maybe if you've taken the step of faith and you've invited Christ into your life, maybe that's what you thought it was. And for so many people, we stood up and we said that, Jesus, come into my life. And I want you to know that there is nowhere in Scripture where we are ever called to invite Christ into our life. Christ invites us into his life. We're not in, listen, we don't say, God, come and be a part of what I'm doing. God invites us to be a part of what he's doing. And true significance in this world, true value in this world, the true meaning of life is not us saying, God, come and just keep blessing me and mine and being a part of what I'm doing. The true meaning of life is finding out that God has a greater plan than to bless your temporary. He wants to be a blessing through us to eternity. The greatest thing we will ever do in this world is not have more money, not have more degrees, not have more success not have more moments. The greatest thing that we will ever do is to be a part of what God is doing in this world, to find where God is working, to find the lives that he is changing, to find what he's a part of and to join him in his story. See, again, this isn't Abraham's story. In fact, when you read scripture, this is so, this is so big. When you read the stories of Old Testament and you read the stories of the New Testament, like those stories are there as an example for us, no doubt, to be inspired to say this is what God can do in a life. When you read stories about Moses, that, the amazing level of obedience that he walked in, to go and talk to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And man, we look at that and we say, God, give me that kind of audacious faith. When you look at people like, right, Joshua, that Joshua led the nation of Israel with courage. And we read his story and we say, God, give me courage like that. We read Samson in his strength. We, we read David, and he was a worshiper. And you read all these phenomenal stories, and we desire to be like those men. But here's what you've got to understand, that none of those stories are their stories. Every single one of those stories is God's story in those people. Moses, Joshua, David, Elijah, Peter, John, Andrew, all of those people are only characters in God's story. See, what I want you to know is, is the enemy wants you just to keep living your life. And he wants you just to ask God to bless your life. And while I believe that a life lived with God is a better life, that's not the best life. A best life is a life lived by living by God's plans and inviting God to be a part of not our life, but being invited into what he's doing in the world. Everybody say the blessed life. See, it's this thing that God wants us to do where we recognize that I don't have a story that I want God to be a part of. 
God has a story that he's called us to be a part of. And when you follow the life of Abraham, that's exactly what you see over and over and over again. See, but so many of us in this world and in our society are self-centered. We are self-focused. We are selfish. In fact, selfishness, selfishness is inviting God into our plans rather than following God into his plans. Think about that for a minute. As you live your spiritual journey, as you walk out your faith, think about some of the prayers that you're praying. Think about some of the life that you're living. Do you find yourself maybe like me that I'm more apt to say, God, come and follow me. God, this is where I'm going today. God, this is what I'm doing. God, this is the degree I'm chasing. God, this is the business I'm trying to start. God, this is the thing that I'm trying to do. God, will you come help me? God, will you come bless me? Do you find yourself maybe living that life like sometimes I do? Because ultimately, that's what selfishness is. That is what the selfie-driven society is about. God, come be a part of mine. But ultimately, guys, listen to this, man. God doesn't follow us. We're called to follow Christ. We're called to follow him into his plan and into his story and into his journey. Now, listen, I, I, know, what, I know what it's like that for a lot of us in this room, we're struggling maybe with some situations. And I'm not saying that God's not interested in your life. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a plan for your life. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless your life. But what I'm saying is it's in the context of a greater story. It's in the context of something much larger than yourself. And for us, we got to pull back and say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of your story. I don't want you just to be a part of mine. Again, our stories are temporary. God's stories are eternal. And man, it's so much bigger to be a part of something that he's doing like that. Come on, church. Are you hearing me today? Everybody say selfie. Are you living a selfie-absorbed life? Again, the challenge is as we battle with our own struggles and challenges. And again, I, I know what it's like. Tomorrow is back to the Monday morning grind. We got work, people getting up 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. You got, you got the 8 to 4, the 9 to 5, the 8 to 8 shift. We have meals to cook and kids to run. It's baseball season. Come on, somebody. Anybody already out on the baseball diamonds and softball? I'm already seeing pictures showing up. Kids out 10 o'clock at night still on the baseball diamonds. I mean, Junior's like, but he's out there, right? And we're running our kids from sporting events to sporting events. And, and I know, but think about our life as we chase success, as we climb the corporate ladder, as we push to pass the test, as we try to make our kids happy and provide and run from ball field to football field. In the middle of everything we're doing, here's the question. Are you living your life or are you living God's life? Because what we are called to in Christ is to walk away from an old life and invite it into a brand new life of following him where there is significance and meaning and value. And not that family is not, man, family is so important. You gotta work, that's important. But in the middle of everything, we got to make room for the Savior. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Listen to what James says, watch this. Read it with me. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition. There you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. Here's what God's saying. God's saying, hey, listen, if you only make your life about you, selfish ambition, selfishness, the selfie-absorbed society, if you only make it about you, there'll never be enough to make you happy. Have you ever recognized that? 
High people in this room have gotten a raise. For example, you get a raise in a job and like you're excited about the raise and within a couple months it feels like that raise is just gets absorbed into life. And no matter how much money you make, you can always spend more. No matter how much right you have in life, you can always have more. God's saying, I can keep blessing you and I can keep giving to you and I can keep doing for you. But if it's all about you, if it's all about a self-centered life, if it's all about selfish ambition, it'll never be enough for you. God says what true life is, what true life is, is laying down what you want and picking up what he wants. In fact, I would say it this way. Check this out. Here's, uh, here's, the, here's the, the high chair. Anybody here, some of us have gone through this where you had some babies, have some children. Have you ever recognized, right, that, that babies, they demand it now and they want it now and so they get it now? Right? Babies have the capacity because they're little children that they just demand it and they want it right now because they sit in the high chair. <laughs> I want the blankie. I want the baba. I want the, right? Pacifier. I, I, I. And they just demand it. And, and we jump in, right? As parents, when our kids start crying, when they start demanding that they're the center of attention, they are the center of attention. In the restaurant, when the kid starts crying, uh, I'm, the, I'm the parents like, man, you need to get your kid up out of here. You're ruining my dinner experience. <laughs> but what, man, the parents, we jump in, our kids are crying, and right, they demand immediate attention. Young children demand to be the center of the world. They don't know any better. You're having a great night's sleep, right? Just dream with me just for a minute. And all of a sudden, three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Right, and we can't tell our kids, wait. We can't tell them later. They eat when they want to eat. They're changed when they want to be changed. They get what they want when they want because they're immature. And I want you to know something, that part of maturity is understanding that you are no longer the center of the world. Isn't that right? Part of growing up is recognizing that it's not all about what you want when you want. And so little babies who are in the high chair, who get what they want when they want, when they grow up, they recognize that there's a larger world that they're a part of, that you can't interrupt conversations, you can't be rude, right? You have to take other people's feelings into consideration. You have to share. I want you to know that in the society of the church, there is a, there is a spiritually immature people in the church that are sitting in the eye chair, not the high chair, the eye chair. I want what you, God, I want you to bless me. God, I want you to fix me. God, I want you to give me more. God, I want you to do more for me. And we have so many people sitting in the spiritually immature seat of the eye chair that they're missing that God wants us to be a part of something so much greater than what's just happening in my life. In churches all over the world, right? In churches all over, we have spiritually immature people sitting in the eye chair. Sitting in the eye chair, right, in churches saying, uh, I, I want deeper teaching. I want the music we used to have. God, I want it like I once knew it. Come on, church. I want you to know, it's not always about us. There is a greater world that needs Christ. There's a greater story written than just your story. We have the privilege to be a part of it. But as long as we sit in the eye chair, we will never play our part in God's story. And so God says, hey, it's time to get out of the eye chair. It's time to get out of this little thing where we play this immature game, and it's part of growing up. You know, when you read the New Testament over and over, God faces off with us and challenges us to break away from selfish ambition, to break away from self-centeredness, to break away from this selfie-absorbed society. And he says things like this, we're to love others, we're to serve others, we're to give to others. 
We're to care for others. And all of a sudden, the emphasis, when you follow the New Testament model of this journey that we're called to, is while God absolutely loves us, he understands that the greatest meaning we'll ever find in this world is not more for us, but being a part of who he is and what he's doing. And so I don't know about you guys. Some of you guys remember back in science. Anybody here remember this cat by the name of Copernicus? Copernicus was a guy who lived in the 15th century, and he looked at the model of the day that said this, that we lived in a geocentric world. The geocentric world was this, was that all of creation revolved around planet Earth and us. And all of a sudden, Copernicus came up, and Copernicus started, and truly, he started the Copernicus Revolution. And the Copernicus Revolution was this, that he stood up and he declared to the world that the world is not, that that creation isn't revolving around me and revolving around us, but ultimately the solar system is revolving around the sun, the S-U-N. And he declared this new model of how creation was working, the heliocentric model, that everything revolved around the sun. I just want you to know today that I believe we need in the church I believe we need in society, I believe we need another Copernicus revolution. That we recognize that everything doesn't revolve around us, everything doesn't revolve around me, everything doesn't revolve around my, that everything revolves around the sun. Not the S-U-N, everything revolves around the S-O-N. That we are, it's not about this meocentric life, it's about the heliocentric life. It's about the S-O-N life that Jesus is large and in charge and we're called to follow him and serve him and be a part of his story. Come on church, what would happen? If 1,500 or 2,000 people that are a part of Faith Church said, God, I'm going to stop being about just my calendar and just about my budget and just about my life, and God, I'm going to engage in your story, and I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. See, because, again, there's this fight in us. Pastor, I would, but I'm busy. Pastor, I would, but I got so much going on. Pastor, I would, but I just can't yet. And there's really, if we're honest, there is this pull and tug of war on the inside of us that if we're honest, we just want God to bless our life more. And God says, I want to bless it, but it can only happen when you're a part of what I'm doing. Remember the prayer that Jesus taught? Check this out, Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples. Read it with me. He says, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the Jewish people at that time, they thought the Savior was going to come and just save them, just rescue them. And Jesus, before he could ever get his disciples to understand that they were a part of a greater story, he had to teach them this principle. And he had to say, guys, listen, every day, you're going to think that God's here just for you. God's here for you, but you're going to think it's just about you. You're going to think it's just about the Jewish nation. So he said, every day, I want you to keep praying this way, God, God, not my kingdom, God, don't build my life. God, just don't do something for me. God, I want your kingdom to come. God, I don't want my will to be done. I do, but God, in the end of the day, Lord, help me to break myself of my will. God, I don't want my will. I want your will. And God, from the very beginning, had to teach the disciples like he wants to teach us. That until we recognize that there's a larger story being written than just our story. That there is something bigger happening than just our life. That God is in the middle of redeeming a culture and a society that he's invited us to be a part of. And until we pray this prayer desperately, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right now in my life, we'll never find the life that Jesus died ultimately to give us. Because we battle the selfie-absorbed society. 
Paul wrote this, as we get ready to close, Paul wrote this in Colossians, or uh, Philippians. He says this, come on, read this with me. He says, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others, but be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Come on, every voice here, read this. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I heard, uh, heard someone say it this way one time, uh, way back, I was a part of this little kids' church thing, and I never forget they taught us, we were teaching the kids joy, J-O-Y. Everybody say J-O-Y. The simple point was this, that true, true, true joy is found in Jesus, others, and you, and in that, in, that, in that order, in that order of priorities, that it's Jesus first, that he's got to be the center of our lives, and we make others higher than ourselves, and we're a part of serving them and loving them and blessing them, and ultimately, we sacrifice our own personal desires last, that in that is found true fulfillment and joy and meaning. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, hey, listen, I get it, you're busy. Paul's saying, I get it, you have schooling to do and tests to take and lawns to mow and kids to run and dinners to fix and jobs to work. But he says, in the middle of your story, don't forget to open the pages of your life and and allow God to write a greater story. Take an interest in others too. I'm gonna give you two things real quick I want you to think about as we get ready to close. Personal evaluation. Personal evaluation. In the middle of our challenge to make life work and balance everything we have to do and making sure that we're a part of God's kingdom and not just asking him to be a part of ours, it takes personal evaluation. Ask yourself today, are you a part of God's kingdom or is he part of yours? Are you a part of what God is doing in faith church, in the shoals, in our world? Or are you just asking God to be a part of your job and your paycheck and your calendar? Because it's not the same thing. A good life is when God's involved in your life. The best life is when we're involved in his. Just take a minute here today and ask yourself, is it, back in Matthew chapter 6, is it my kingdom or is it his kingdom? Is it my will or is it his will? Personal evaluation. And then I think you've got to make like an intentional strategic decision to just find a place to be involved. Here at Faith Church, this week, we're starting something called Serve Week. We've been doing this for several years. I'm not saying this has to be your on-ramp, but this is a great place. If you're saying, Pastor Steve, man, I've been busy writing my own story. I've been busy with school and praying, God, bless my tests, and Lord, bless me, help me get into this school. God, bless this job. Lord, bless me finding a house. God, bless me finding the right man, the right woman. If you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I've been so busy writing my own story, I've not really been a part of God's and you're doing some personal evaluation today, maybe the decision you need to take next is, again, is this strategic investment, this intentional investment. And here, starting again today, we have what's called Serve Week. Everybody say Serve Week. Anybody here want to take a guess what you do in Serve Week? You? But, Pastor, I can't. I'm busy. i got stuff to do. That's your kingdom. We want his kingdom to come. Some things you can do right here today, starting at 2 o'clock, We've done this uh, twice a year for several years now. We go out in our community and we pick up trash, 2 o'clock. I'd love to see several hundred of you here today. You say, Pastor, wait a minute. How is picking up trash God's story? How is picking up trash a part of something eternal? Here's how. 
Because when we go out and we make a difference in the society we're a part of, when we go out and we serve, here's what God's word says. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What Jesus is saying is people's watching how we live. And when we live intentionally about others, not about ourselves, it draws attention not to us but to him. And so by serving our society, by serving culture, ultimately we're drawing people further to Christ. At 2 o'clock, we're going to pick up trash. 2 o'clock, if that's not your thing, we need, we need uh, 10, 20, 30 people to help pack baskets. This coming week is Teacher Appreciation Week, and uh, we deliver baskets into all of our elementary, all of our middle, all of our high schools, to our admin buildings. How many teachers or ad- administrators do we have in education? Wave your hand at me real quick. Let's give it up for them, man. We appreciate the sacrifice that you make uh, to teach our brats, I mean our kids. Um, so today, Hazra taking care of some animals. We know that's some of your passion. So two o'clock, there's lots of opportunities to serve. Not your kingdom, but his kingdom. Not your will, but his will. The rest of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have events all week long. Habitat for Humanity Homes, the Help Center, uh, Animal Shelters, Rape Response Center, all kinds of opportunities for you to serve. Ultimately, this coming weekend, we're going to end from Sunday, next Saturday. This coming Saturday is our first responders event. This is an event we're just putting together a day just to honor our local law enforcement, um, county sheriff's department, our paramedics, our fire department, people that serve and keep us safe in our society. How many people here are, are involved in a first responder at all? Lift your hand. Ambulance, police, fire. Come on, lift your hand. Man, we honor you guys. Thank you so much for what you do. So here, here's what we're asking. Come on, is Listen, listen to this again. Read, bring it back up. Philippians. Listen, Philippians, bring it up. Don't look out only for yourselves. Come on, not only for your own interests, but take on the interests of others too. This week, and if you can't do it this week, one of our core values here at Faith Church, reach, connect, grow, and serve. Reach, connect, grow, and serve. Save it. Reach, connect, grow, and serve. I want to invite you to find a place here at Faith Church where you can serve. I know you're busy. But the best way you can find yourself being written into God's story is by saying, God, not my will, but your will. I want to be a part of what you're doing, not just have you a part of what I'm doing. And that's where we find true life. See, Abraham's story is amazing, but what made Abraham's story amazing is that he found what God was doing and he jumped in. What makes your life count in this world is when you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And it doesn't get much bigger than God. So I want to pray for you today that if you're struggling with some selfie-absorbed thoughts, if you're struggling with selfishness or self-ambition where it's just about you, that God's going to help you to see a bigger story than your own. So pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today, God, for what you're doing in this world. That God, many of us are here today because you've used others' lives to draw us to you. And I pray that you would replicate that and duplicate that in us as well, that God, as we are not a part of our own kingdom of yours, but God, you would use our life. You would use faith church. God, you would use who we are and what we have. God, the impact in the world that we live in. God, I know it's hard. God, I know we're challenged and stretched for time. We're stretched for dollars. God, we're stretched for resources. But I pray that God, we would open up our lives and we would be a part of what you're doing to see a generation changed. God, this is about you and not about us. Help us to live that way. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, just I want you just to take about the next 30 seconds with your head bowed, with your eyes closed. 
I want you just to do that personal evaluation real quick and ask yourself, is this my life or is it his life? Am I living the life that I want or am I living the life that he wants? Is there room for God to use me or am I just using God? Come on, just take a minute and just answer that question. And if you come to the conclusion that I often come to, and maybe this morning you want to make an intentional decision to step out. And Father, I pray that God, you would inspire us and you would lead us to look and find opportunities to be a part of your story. God, help us, help us, God, to step out in obedience. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, listen, this morning, we're so glad that you're here. If you want to get involved this week in Serve Week, you can do it a couple ways. A couple ways. Donna, um, some of our staff are going to be right out here in the hallway. You can sign up right here before you go. You can go to igotofaith.com and you can register online. Someone will contact you. Someone will